welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. So, did I miss anything while I was off? (laughs) It's been two weeks since the last episode of Search News You Can Use, and a whole lot has gone on. (laughs) Yes, we did have a very significant core update, which I'm going to talk about in this episode. Oh, and also the page experience update, which deals with core web vitals, is live as well but not fully live. It's very confusing. (laughs) So we'll talk about that as well in this episode. If you're confused about what Google's doing, you're not alone. My hope in this episode is to briefly outline the most important things that you need to know about these updates. I haven't thoroughly examined the June core update as I've only been back from vacation for a few days. Uh, I didn't even know when I booked my week off that there'd be a huge Fortnite update. So I've been shooting people from UFOs all week and not paying any attention to Google at all. <laughs> but in the last few days, I've spent quite a bit of time looking at our client sites, uh, reading what other experts have to say as well in terms of traffic drops and uh, just kind of putting a bit of a picture together. This was a very significant update for many sites. Not everybody was affected by this, and this is often the case with core updates. Not all of our clients were affected, but many that were were affected in a really, really strong way. Uh, So this was, in my opinion, quite a significant core update. If you're new to podcast, this episode corresponds with our newsletter, which you can find online at mariehaines.com slash newsletter. This is episode number 188 of the newsletter. There's a lot more in newsletter this week than I'm going to cover in podcast. I wanted to focus mostly on uh, the core update with this episode. Uh, So I'd encourage you to read the newsletter episode and get caught up on the other really important stuff uh, that's been happening in SEO this week. Uh, Otherwise, you'd be listening to me babble on for the rest of the day. uh, And we've got stuff to do, people. We can't stand and listen to podcasts all day. (laughs) This has been a very, very busy week already, though. The last time I talked to you, just before I started recording podcast, we had news that Google had launched what they call the June Core Update. Most of you probably know by now uh, most of this information I'm going to start with, but I want to go over the basics that you need to know about this update so far. It launched on June 2nd, but very few people saw anything happen on June 2nd. Now, I believe in my last episode, I said that if you were affected by this update, you should expect to see movement within 24 hours of Google's announcement. And that's usually the case with core updates, but this one is different. So on Friday, just before I shut down my computer, I had another quick look at our client data, because when there's a core update, I want to know what's happening. And I'll tell you, on Friday, I was a little discouraged. (laughs) Many, although not all, of the clients that we work with uh, are sites that are trying to recover after being negatively impacted by Google updates in the past. And when we see a recovery, it generally happens when Google runs a core update. So on Friday, which was a few days after the update had been live, we really didn't have much going on. But I did take a quick peek midweek. I I wasn't supposed to do any work, but I was super curious. And so uh, I had a look at the data that my team had gathered. And sure enough, we had quite a few clients seeing the types of gains that we normally only see with core updates. 
Uh, but this time, though, the gains started several days after Google announced the update was running. Most of the changes that we saw started around June 6th or 7th or so. Uh, Google announced just this week then uh, that the update has finished running as of June 12th. So the core update has fully uh, launched by now. I'm going to be writing a full article on this update my goal with this one is not to try and dissect exactly what it is that Google changed. I feel like we're beyond that now. You know, back in the days of Penguin and Panda updates, it was really helpful to, to figure things out and to go, oh, this update affected sites with unnatural links, or this one went after sites with thin content. Google's goal has always been to understand what the searcher is trying to find and then present them with the most relevant results. And that's definitely what's going on now. Our strategy when we're helping sites improve their quality is to objectively look at all of the things that Google's told us to evaluate, even if we can't understand how Google would algorithmically measure these things. I harp a lot about Google's blog post on what website, uh, website owners need to know about core updates. If you dropped with this update, you need to seriously consider the questions asked in this blog post. I'll link to it in the description. Don't get caught up in saying, well, it's not possible for Google to know whether I have substantially more valuable than content than my competitor. Or maybe how could Google know whether you'd expect to see this type of content referenced by a printed magazine, encyclopedia, or book? I, I don't believe they're asking these questions just because they kind of hope that this is what kind of content we'll create. I believe they have many ways of telling what types of content users find the most helpful. Okay, so the update launched on June 2nd. SEMrush Sensor was reporting movement in the SERPs on June 3rd, but most of the chatter starts closer to June 6th or 7th, which, by the way, was when I was officially on vacation. It's amazing how Google runs core updates that coincide with me taking time off. Uh, I'm actually okay with this now. Years ago, I would rush to try to be the first one out with my analysis. And now it's kind of nice to sift through what everybody else is saying and then took a look at, look at our client data with a little bit less urgency. <laughs> uh, part two of this update will launch at some point in July. I currently do not have any vacation scheduled for July, but I'll tell you, my birthday is on July 16th. So if Google runs part two of this update on July 16th, I am going to start thinking very seriously about this conspiracy theory that Google's planning updates around my schedule. Uh, I really don't think that's the case, though. So why is there going to be a part two of this core update? Uh, what Google said is that they, they weren't fully ready to launch uh, the full update as of June, but they wanted to do it anyways. Who knows? Maybe they needed to launch this before the page experience update went live. I don't know. Uh, they didn't share any more details than that, though. Now, a lot of people were focusing on the fact that Google said in their blog post or in their tweets about this update uh, that some sites that see changes in June will have those changes reversed in July. This does not necessarily mean that if you saw improvements over the last two weeks that you're going to lose all of those gains. I think it's important to note that the blog post says that a small sliver of sites will see reversals. So if you saw changes with this June core update, I think there's a good chance that those changes are going to stick. 
I don't know what these reversals will look like, but I do have a little bit of a theory. A couple of our clients who saw nice improvements with this update were sites that I did not expect to improve. Uh, We've consulted with a few, uh, quite a few alternative medical sites that we actually did not feel we could recover. Um, And we're very honest about that in our reports. You know, there might be some situations where if your whole business model is something that Google does not like, if you're continually talking on topics that contradict the experts in your area, it's going to be very challenging to rank well in Google. Um, And so a lot of these sites, you know, we said, well, I don't think you are going to recover mostly because their subject matter was repeatedly contradicting scientific consensus. Uh, I think it's possible that in part one of this core update, Google recognized some of the EAT-related changes that these sites have been making. Um, Some of these sites that improved didn't really change their content, but added more experienced authors. Um, maybe added, uh, they got more authoritative mentions um, and other things that we recommend in terms of improving EAT. But the content itself is still contradicting scientific consensus. So my guess, and this is really a guess at this point, is that these are the sites that will see declines with part two of this update in July. I could be wrong on that though, and I do hope I'm wrong. I I don't think that all alternative medical sites should be demoted by Google. Uh, I think that there are some situations where people are looking for alternative treatments, um, and I do think that Google is working on finding ways to promote content uh, that answers those searchers' needs, uh, but is still trustworthy and worthy of ranking as well. In newsletter, I've summarized what several of the SEO experts who analyze updates are saying about the June core update. Glenn Gabe noted that many of the sites affected were also affected with a mini unannounced update on May 20th. This is the last one of the mini updates or dates of increased turbulence that we saw. Uh, We've been seeing them since late January, possibly since the December core update, although I think late January is when they started. And and I'm seeing the same thing as well. Several sites with movement uh, in our profile with the June core update started their either upward or downward trend on May 20th as well. We did note a couple of weeks ago that the May 20th update coincided with a knowledge graph update, which has not happened before. Again, we could craft all sorts of theories on what that means. I have tons of theories on what that means. I've spoken about them in past podcast episodes, but none of those are really going to help us at this point to advise our clients better. Still worth noting though, I think. Um, I really liked a discussion on Twitter started by Morty Oberstein this week where he looked at one keyword that saw a lot of movement and he gave his opinion on why the winning sites were elevated. Um, These are always challenging because, uh, you know, it's very hard to say something is black and white, uh, but I agree with uh, the vast majority of what Morty is saying here. I'd encourage you to read this thread. Again, I've linked to it in the description uh, because it's kind of hard to describe this thing with just words. Morty actually links to the pages in question here as well. Uh, So these are very specific examples. The query that uh, he typed was commercial truck loans. And Morty points out that pages that declined for this query were actually quite decent. But pages that improved kind of went above and beyond at recognizing what these particular searchers were looking for. He pointed out a highlighted section of text on one of the losing pages, and it's 
pretty useless for readers. Uh, I'll read a tiny bit of it here. It says, it, 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 to me, this sounds like kind of marketing speak and just stuff that users are just going to skip over. It says, don't be late, late on your truck payments, not even a single minute, hour, or day. These lenders have put their own money on the line, and as soon as you give them reason to believe their trust in you is misplaced, they will look to prevent a loss. Now, if I typed in a, this query to look for um, information on this type of uh, situation, I'm not looking for a lecture on missing my payments, you know, and I'm not saying that this page declined because it has that, uh, but this was something that was highlighted on the page. It was something that uh, essentially the page was saying, look, readers, pay attention to this. This is important, but this is not what users probably find important. Now, that information wasn't necessarily wrong but it's not what searchers were looking for, in my opinion. And conversely, the pages that did well had verbiage that somehow went above and beyond the obvious in figuring out, oh, hey, when someone's looking for a truck loan, they probably also need to know this. It's very hard to explain with just words and no visuals, but I think that what Morty's getting at here is that he believes Google when they say to ask yourself questions about the value of your content. I'm going to read some of these questions from Google's blog post on core updates. These are all questions that Google says to ask. Does the content provide original information, reporting, research, or analysis? Does the content provide a substantial, complete, or comprehensive description of the topic? Does the content provide insightful analysis or interesting information that is beyond obvious? I'm going to share an example, another practical example in just a few minutes of content that declined where I think uh, some of the information that was on this page is it's decent information, but it was kind of obvious to most people. Also, they ask, if the content draws on other sources, does it avoid simply copying or rewriting those sources and instead provide substantial additional value and originality? And one of the last questions on this page is, again, does the content provide substantial value when compared to other pages in the search results? I believe that as Google gets better at understanding language, each update brings them closer to a uh, elevating sites that really are the most helpful and not necessarily just the ones with the best SEO. <laughs> and, and again, we could just say, well, this is like Matt Cutts saying years ago, create great content. But I really think this is not just wishful thinking. I do think that Google's getting better at finding content that doesn't just tick SEO boxes, but instead makes users feel like they found what they're looking for. I've mentioned this before, but we really should be paying attention to the section of the Quality Raiders guidelines that talks about meeting the needs of searchers. Our goal should be so that a Quality Raider, if they landed on our page, would mark our page as fully meets when it comes to the searcher's needs. Which means that, well, I'll read it here from the QRG. Fully meets rating should be reserved for results that are the complete and perfect response or answer so that no other results are necessary for all or almost all users to be fully satisfied. That's hard to do. 
The other article I read on this update uh, this week was Lily Ray's excellent early analysis of winners and losers of this update, looking at Systrix data. There's a lot in this post, and I would encourage you to read that as well. Uh, by the way, I'm, again, I'm, I'm going to put uh, the link for this in the de- description uh, or the show notes. Uh, I thought it was really interesting how Lily's data showed that one of the strongest verticals affected by this update was dictionary websites. As Lily pointed out in her post, this is something that Google changed in the Quality Raters Guidelines uh, with the last QRG update, which was in October of 2020. I'm going to read this section as well from the QRG. Uh, In newsletter, I've actually uh, included the entire screenshot um, and several examples from the QRG as well. It says, dictionary and encyclopedia results may be topically relevant for many searches, but often these results are not helpful for common words that most people in your rating locale already understand. Reserve high needs met rating for dictionary and encyclopedia results when the user intent for the query is likely, what is it? Or what does it mean? And the result is helpful for users seeking that type of information. They go on to show a couple of examples. One of them is for the query rainbow. The QRG says most users are probably, they know what a rainbow is, (laughs) and they're not looking for a definition of a rainbow. Even if the user needs help in understanding the word, this is what they say in the QRG, images or a simple description would be more helpful than a dictionary result. And Lily noted that for some queries, it looks like Google's actually changed the type of result that's ranking well. So maybe in the past, they used to show a definition, and now they're showing a video or perhaps an image. That's something I'm going to be paying attention to as I do more analysis over the next few weeks. She also noted that there were big drops in sites like TripAdvisor, Quora, and Reddit as well, which is really interesting to me because often Google really likes user-generated content. And user-generated content uh, often demonstrates firsthand expertise. So I thought that a lot of sites with user-generated content would actually do well with this update. Uh, I did look briefly at keywords for which Quora dropped, and a lot of those actually were questions that could be answered by Google providing a definition. Uh, But but these weren't all connected to definitions. Uh, One of the examples that Lily gave of a TripAdvisor dropping was the query whitewater rafting. The TripAdvisor post that used to rank fairly well was severely demoted. And now what's ranking well are actual places that offer whitewater rafting as opposed to reviews on those places. Again, I haven't analyzed all of these, so I can't comment too much on what's happening here. Uh, The reason why I mentioned it, though, is that this is what you should be doing if you've declined with this core update. You should be looking at who did Google elevate above you and critically asking yourself, why did this happen? And if you can't figure it out, then ask yourself through the lens of the questions in Google's blog post on their core, uh, blog post on core updates. I really think that you'll find that your articles that declined often either don't have as much helpful information as those that Google's ranking, or in some cases have too much information. And I know that's going to be hard for some of you here to grasp. I'm not saying that Google likes short posts now, but for some queries, the user wants a short post. Sometimes a user doesn't want to read through an entire article, but they want to be able to just skim to the part that answers their question. I did also read Neil Patel's article on the core update. 
It doesn't say a whole lot, uh, but there was something very interesting that I pulled out of it. He noted that articles of his that didn't do well with this recent core update are the ones where he did a lot of storytelling in this article. Now, I'm guilty of this as well when I write. I think when people sit down to read an entire article, they really like storytelling. When I wrote my most recent article on our site uh, on our disavow advice, I told the story of how auditing links has changed over the last eight years and how my experience with Google penalties has really changed. And I think a lot of people really enjoyed that story. People told me they enjoyed the story. However, for search, most people, when they search on the web, they don't sit down and read an entire article. So what I'm trying to say here. It's not that storytelling is bad and that we have to stop telling stories and just, you know, add facts. Rather, though, what I'm going to work on when I write my next article is improving the beginning of my articles. I want to make them so that a reader who doesn't know me and who's just learning about disavowing or EAT or core updates or whatever it is I'm writing about lands on my page and is convinced to stay. I want to write so that people who skim can see the value even without reading every word of my post. I think a lot of this is connected to what we provide the user in the above the fold content on our pages. I'll tell you a good, good example of this if you'd like to look at an actual article is Lily Ray's article on the June core update. The article starts with jump links at the top. So if my goal in reading this article was to find the list of domains that are winners and losers, I can jump right to that point in the article. And then the first couple of paragraphs basically describe the basics of everything I need to know about this core update. There's no fluff. She didn't tell me her whole life story, although that would be very interesting. <laughs> but it's not, it's not what users who have uh, wanted to land on this article are trying to find out. So... My goal when I write my article on this core update is to do the same, uh, is to understand what are the needs of somebody who's likely to land on my article and how can I convince them, whether it's in the words that I'm using, the headings I'm using, or other UX features, like the way that I add maybe a table of contents or maybe images or charts that I could use. My goal is to convince the searcher to stay and engage and then to provide them with just the information that they're looking for so that they don't feel that they have to go to other websites to read more. I'm not going to share too much about our own client data at this point, other than to say that uh, we do have some sites that are seeing really nice improvements. Uh, the majority of those that improved have been working very hard at implementing our advice. We usually, in our reports, provide you with 150 plus pages of advice. Uh, some of it is very easy to implement. Some of it can take a long time to put into place. Um, some of our clients have added more authoritative authors or perhaps medical reviewers. Uh, some have implemented schema to help Google connect the dots when they're figuring out EAT. Some have been working on other technical improvements like uh, improving site structure and internal linking um, and maybe fixing broken links as well. The cases where we've seen the biggest improvement are ones that really were working on improving the value of their content, like I've been describing in this episode. At some point in the next couple of weeks, we'll have an article out with some case studies uh, with more specific information. My goal is to show you very practical things that we'll, 
that we help to change uh, so that maybe you can get some ideas for improvements that you can make to your own site as well and improve uh, Google's assessment of quality for your site. The other thing that we should talk about here is the page experience update. This also went live this week as of June 15th, Tuesday this week. What Google told us is that the update is live, but it will roll out very slowly and it will likely take until mid-August before we feel the full effects of this update, which is brutal because we've just had a June core update and at some point in July, we're gonna have another core update. And I think it's gonna be very, very challenging to diagnose traffic drops for sites that are not doing well this summer. I've talked a lot uh, about the page experience update in the past, so I'm not gonna dwell on what you need to do to improve in this update. Most of you know that the most important parts are uh, dealing with core web vitals. So this means improving your first input delay and cumulative layout shifts and other things uh, that connect to site speed. And there are also other components such as being HTTPS or being mobile friendly as well. Um, something I said in my SMX advanced talk, which aired yesterday, uh, was that most SEOs probably have worked on improving your core web vitals. You know, when, when Google tells us that something is a ranking factor, uh, then it's our job as SEOs to work on improving in that area. But Google has said in several places that this update is not going to be a strong ranking factor. What I said in my SMX talk was that it amazes me that although the vast majority of SEOs have worked on core web vitals, which Google has told us is a very small ranking factor, most SEOs have done nothing in regards to Google's blog post on what webmasters need to know about core updates, which I keep talking about over and over again. And core updates can have a massive impact on your website. So we'll be keeping an eye on what's happening with the page experience update, but my guess is that we won't have a whole lot to report on. Uh, one thing I did see that was interesting was that at some point Google had hinted that sites with a good score for page experience would have some sort of a badge in the search results uh, showing that. But John Mueller said something in a help hangout this week that implies that this is not going to happen now. Uh, so if your traffic's declining starting June 15th, I'd certainly look at your page experience report in Google Search Console. Uh, again, I'll be keeping an eye on what people are saying about this, but I don't expect that this update is going to have uh, a lot of teeth. I haven't done SEO Q&A for a while, but we got a good question in this week. I'm not sure whether this was supposed to be anonymous, so I'm not gonna mention the person who sent the question, uh, but it was about the query freelance writing jobs. So this person says that they're an individual who does freelance writing and uh, they used to rank really well for this term and now they're being outranked by some authoritative websites. And this person says that they believe that they have way better content than these other websites. They have more words uh, than the other website and they feel their content is better. So I took a look at this keywords ranking fluctuations. Uh, I used hrefs for this. Uh, SEMrush does a good job at this as well. Uh, looking at historically to see what had changed in this SERP. And it actually looks like uh, the person who asked this question, their site started declining in rankings for this keyword on May 20th which again was the last mini update that we had uh, before the June core update. And then rankings dropped even further after the June update. The site that is outranking this site now um, that they were concerned about is called The Right Life. So when I look at their post ranking for freelance writing jobs and yours, I actually found theirs more helpful. 
but it, it's kind of hard to quantify why. Both posts give lists of ways that you can make money with freelance writing. Yours gives some very practical options, but most of them are a little obvious. My apologies if this is a little harsh, but I think uh, this is important stuff to talk about. The first example that you give is to cold pitch people, and there's advice to pitch to job post boards. Um, and you've listed some places that I can pitch, but at least in the first example I read, there's not a lot of information on why I would pitch to that place or what I need to know about pitching there, how they differ from other uh, places where I could uh, maybe um, pitch my articles. Some of the other tips are possibly a little obvious as well, like uh, look for people posting about needing writers on Twitter or ask your friends and family. Um, or use your website to promote your writings. These are all good things, but I don't think it's what the searcher's looking for. So then I looked at the Right Life's post, and let's put ourselves in the shoes of someone who just searched for freelance writing jobs. If I search this, I'm probably at home looking for another income source, and I want someone to tell me, look, if you go here and do this, this is what your experience is going to be. On the Right Life, the first thing I noticed is that I didn't have to scroll down very much to start reading the list. I bet for this query, this is what most searchers are doing. They're, they're landing on the post and they're looking for the list of things that they can do, the list of where they could get freelance writing jobs. And then they try to figure out if it's worthwhile working their way through this list. Their first point is to go to a place called Freelance Writer's Den. And they tell me it's $25 a month and I get access to a whole bunch of boot camps that are going to teach me about writing. And then they list a bunch of other resources that will help me find a writing job. And they talk about the pros and cons of each of those. Now, both of your, like your article and this other article, they're both good. It's not wrong to tell people to ask your friends if they need writers or to use your website to promote your writing skills. You have good advice and you're still ranking on page one, so it's not like your page is bad. But my guess is that Google's algorithms can now determine that for most people who type this query, they're not looking for general advice, but rather really specific recommendations that tell them where to go and what to do. Of course, there could be other factors here. I haven't looked at links and mentions or spent much time analyzing the SEO or even EAT of these pages. But from a needs met perspective, if I type this query, I likely would stay on the Right Life's page and not on yours. Something I think that could really help with this is to maybe run a focus group or surveys. This is something I'd love to build out in the future. Who knows, maybe we will do it. Um, often what we think is great content is not what the user's looking for. I want to read this quote from the QRG again, teaching the raters how to assess whether a searcher's needs have been met. They rate every page on a slider, and they choose one of fails to meet, slightly meets, mostly meets, highly meets, or fully meets the needs of searchers. And they say, quote, in other words, the fully meets rating should be reserved for results that are the complete and perfect response or answer so that no other results are necessary for all or almost all users to be fully satisfied. That's so tough though, because again, we often think our content is better at meeting searchers' needs, but we might not always be right. 
I'm going to end this episode here. It, it's been quite the hectic week. <laughs> I need a vacation to uh, get over my vacation. <laughs> I'll be working on uh, analyzing the core update, and I'll have much more for you next week, hopefully. And hopefully an article soon, which will be even more valuable if you're trying to find... Uh, uh, if you have questions about the core update. If you do have questions that are easy to answer or short to answer, feel free to hit me up on Twitter. Uh, if you have longer questions or are looking to maybe hire my team and I to help improve your website's quality, you can reach out to us at help at mariehaines.com. Thanks so much for listening, and I wish you the best of luck with your rankings. <laughs>